In 2018, Matt O'Kine's career was flying high. Having successfully co-hosted the Triple J Breakfast Show with Alex Dyson from 2014 to 2016, he had just finished the first season of The Other Guy, a successful series on Stan. He was in the midst of writing his debut novel, Being Black and Chicken and Chips, and had already forged a highly successful stand-up comedy career. John Owen Dorge's full disclosure had also reached cult status, with listeners all over the world eagerly anticipating their next episode. While externally, the podcast seemed highly successful, internally, the cracks were beginning to show. Technical hitches had dogged the podcast from day one, with Melbourne and technology seemingly not a good mix. The extremely popular Full Disclosure podcast had started to attract higher-profile guests, and they, in turn, expected a higher level of professionalism. The following episode is what happens when two juggernauts collide. Matt Okine managed to dust himself off and forge a successful career after this podcast. John and Dorge, not so much. Two years later, as we anticipate the comeback episode of Full Disclosure, we give you The Okine Tapes. To set the scene, we pick up the tapes after the Sydney team has been waiting approximately half an hour for the Melbourne team, i.e. Jono, to get his shit together. What follows is the ultimate meta full disclosure episode. Self-sabotage on a grandiose level. A moment of performance art. You can hear the momentum of full disclosure grinding to a halt. Sit back and enjoy the episode that almost fatally wounded full disclosure. Yeah. Yeah. Coming to you every week from Sydney and Melbourne. It's Full Disclosure. The Jono and Dorge Podcast. Jono and Dorge. Full Disclosure in the Raw. Disclosure, no holds barred. No holds barred. Okay, after a protracted and very frustrating 45 minute setup, we're uh, good to go. John O'Burns, welcome to Full Disclosure. And you want to say hello to our special guest? Uh, I, sure, I, I sure do, but again oh what the fuck man no just stop <laughs> guys just stop this is absolute shit this is fucking shit you, you boys go ahead you boys go ahead if i can get back on get unplug your fucking shitty microphone just use your computer plug your headphones into the side of the computer and just 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 do it like that okay try that unplug it now just stop bothering what what happened what happened <laughs> keep talking <laughs> No, no. No. Just, just, have you done it? Unplug your fucking microphone and just talk into the computer. Yeah, it's our best bet, John. Here we go. Yeah, I'll just... Hello? Hello? Oh, my God. It's, uh... Yeah, it's, it's not ideal. Not ideal. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I, I hope you're embarrassed by this. What am I supposed to do about it? Get your shit together, for God's sake. <laughs> you, you there? Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh my god! Do you know how often people ask me to do podcasts? <laughs> we really honestly. Appreciate it. Do you know how often I get some fucking chump 
with three podcasts under their belt, three episodes, calls me out, oh, can you please, hits me up on Twitter, hits me up on Facebook. And every time I say, look, you need to do a few more before you get me on. Because, of course, people want to get me on so they can sell to more people, they can you know push it out to more people. But then... I come on and this shit happens. Look at me, dude. I, I, I can't. I can't be in Melbourne setting and making sure he figures this shit out. Fucking how many? How many episodes have you done? Fourteen. 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 Yeah, fourteen. Yeah. And you still haven't gotten this right. Yeah, it's a really. It's a good point. Yeah, we've never had it. We've never had this problem before. Mate, but, if you fucking went to a doctor. <laughs> And they said, oh, yeah, all we need to do is cut this skin cancer out. But by the way, the last 14 people have died <laughs> since we've started this procedure. Would you say yes? Wait, wait, hold the phone. How's that analogy work? Every, every other one's been fine. Well, wait, wait, no one's died. Oh, that, that's not true. You, the last episode you put up didn't work. Oh, that's true. Well, no, it did, <laughs> did work. I fixed it. So <laughs> can you come? What the fuck, man? You fixed the skin cancer. What's that? No, look, see, I should, I should just leave. I should leave this fucking dungeon that we're in right now. Oh, my God. Oh, well, look, we're fine in this this part of the, the room's fine. It's just, this is the issue. Yeah, John, you need to get a, a mixer and a mic and a proper setup going because it's not going to... It doesn't work, mate. It's not going to work like that. Poor old Matty, as he said, he gets uh, asked quite a lot. He's been sitting here twiddling his thumbs. And he's <laughs> For half an hour now. 40, no, it's been 40 minutes since I turned up. Yes, Nomming a little cheesy scroll from the bakery around the corner. I, I, I finished it quick. I thought, oh, we're gonna we're gonna get right into business. I took one last bite, I dumped it in the in the in the bin out the front. No, that's not good. It's not good. But also you- the bin out the front has an exposed McCain's pizza box in it. <laughs> has it? Yeah. Just out in the open. I mean, that's the sort of stuff you hide in your garbage. <laughs> you-, you know, you don't want people knowing you live like that. What do you mean? What's wrong with it with the McCain's? Oh well, look, we all go on McCain's every now and then, but you know, you don't want it on display for your whole, you know, neighbourhood to know what you get up to. Is that to. not cool? It's not cool. Not in Darling oh, House, look, I guess. I don't know, man. I don't know. What in Glebe? Do you do you hide your pizza McCain's pizza boxes? Yeah, well, I mean, I've I've been known to duck into the IGA on uh, Glebe Point Road and get a get a McCain's every now and then <laughs> when the head's thumping. You know what I mean? When you need that fix. I don't. I don't. I don't. When I, you need three tiny cubes of capsicum. <laughs> I, I don't even do that. I, I actually order it online. I'm online. I order McCain's pizza. No, online. you don't. <laughs> yeah, I Who do. delivers McCain's? Mate, you can, if you're going to go to the trouble of ordering a pizza online, you can get a fresh one delivered from like Domino's or something. Yeah, but McCain's yeah, it's pretty solid. Like, and also you can get them for about three bucks online. And, and what, what do, you, do you get other stuff delivered? Yeah, I get my, all my groceries delivered now. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, I, I don't like, I don't like, Going to the shops anymore, bro. You're you're like I could I could hit coals with a with a toothbrush from here. It's very I could close. literally chuck a tube of toothpaste and it would land at Coles' front steps. And you don't you get your shit delivered. It's very close. Well, yeah, yeah. I I did think that I went there today and I was like, oh, it's a bit lazy that if it's just there. But I th- I've got a theory that they mark that Coles up as well. Yeah, they do. They mark all supermarkets up depending on where you live. It's just that's just a fact of life. Although you know who they act- they mark it up the most, right? This is what happens. So they'll mark it up in the inner city. Of course, because uh, uh, the higher rent, mm. all right. Mm. Then, as you go into the outer suburbs, mm. they they give you a little bit cheaper, you mm. know, cheaper to, to store their products. I guess it's easier to, to deliver. Mm. But then you go to like fucking Cape York Peninsula, mm. and the shit's like twenty six dollars for a, a chicken breast. 
It's like it's proper. There's there's a lot of chats online about this. Wait, wait. It's more. It's more. It's Ellen. outrageously more. So well, the cheapest, if I'm not mistaken, is if you go like way out west or way north. Like not way, but you know, like... Uh, you so go like an sh- hour west or an hour suburbia. north. Then Yeah, shit suburbia. That's where the cheapest Cheap is. Cheap shit is, yeah. As soon as you go full rural, it gets it whack. Goes hardcore. Like properly whack. Yeah, but why would you want to live in a rural location? Well, some people don't have the fucking choice, mate. Why don't you? Why don't you talk to some of Indigenous Australia who got fucking pushed there, thanks to thanks to your your mates, which mates are they? Colonialist Australia, mate. While you're in your little King's Cross apartment, well, you don't think you don't think people would have preferred to live here? Gentlemen, George, full disclosure in the raw. I, I lived in, I grew up in rural Australia. So, you know, I, but I, I, my point is I got out, you know, you got to get out, don't you? But look, I, no, you can, no, look, all I'm saying is, it's just that the, there's, there's arguments that they're actually doing that on purpose. That they're outpricing. Oh, what the hell is going on? What, what are you doing? <laughs> is this podcast haunted? <laughs> is, is that the microphone you got plugged back in again now? Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's going up and down the volume stuff. But, oh, okay. now yeah. you're back to normal. Have you been listening this whole time? Yeah, I've been listening. You, you guys are on fire. You, you're very angry, Matt. Were you in a good mood before before all the fuck-ups happened? Or I was you? ready. I was ready for some solid chats. <laughs> you know, I was ready stuff. for some really... some. But, uh, you know, but I mean, the the thing that really has bothered me about this whole thing is that... that I mean, I'm not seeing any direction. I'm not seeing any understanding of what's going on here. This is a <laughs> lackluster event so Hold far. The fire. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. So, Jono, you noticed that in, in about podcast, I explained to Matt in podcast three to six, I spent about an hour getting you to get gear together and I'm normally pissed off for the first half hour yeah, of the podcast. That's, that's our trope. What you're experiencing is Matt going through the same process <laughs> yeah. that I have gone through on a regular basis. So, you shouldn't be surprised when someone is pissed <laughs> off like Matt at this stage because it's you're putting up with a, 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 an idiot, you know, a, a genuine idiot. <laughs> Who's, a lovable um, idiot. We're wasting our time, you know. And and Matt's Matt's writing a book right now. He hasn't got time. Haven't you to finished burn. that book? You know, he's got he's got, How far? How far? No, I haven't <laughs> finished the book. I'm about a two. I'm about a third of the way through. Probably, uh, you know, a, a, a quarter right. and a half. What's What's the name of the book, man? You want to give it a bit of a plug? It's called you're... Being Black and Chicken and Shit. It's based on one of my stand-up shows from a few years ago. Probably my breakthrough show. Great show. Uh, I would I would say. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. Gonna What's your writing process, Maddie? Uh, well, I was just having a few beers just then, having a little look out at Woolamaloo Bay, um, having mm-hmm. a tap, you know, just sort of, I think you think about it a lot. And then when you're finally ready to put it on page, you kind of have to vomit it all out. Cool. So there's no point in, there's no point in sitting in front of, la- of a laptop in front of a bank a blank page and thinking of that's going to generate your ideas. Cause it just doesn't, I really struggle with that sort of stuff. So I've got to, um, I've got to live my life and then the ideas come. And then I choose one or two days in a row where I'm like, I'm going to finally put this shit down on paper. And then I go, that's kind of the, just the direction that I always take with all that stuff. But it's very different to stand up, I guess. Like, so is, is the protagonist you, or is it if you're making someone up? Yeah, look, the, the, the protagonist is going to be a version of me. Yeah. But in terms of writing process, I don't find it that much more different, different to stand up. Like if you actually look at the way that I put together my entire show this year, 
Um, I'd be surprised if it was more than a few thousand words in total notes. Like, so, you know, it's, it's some of the jokes, which are five or 10 minute bits really just got written in my head and they might be written down as like a single sentence and that's about it. So that's kind of how I feel with the book as well. I've stopped thinking that I can just come up with ideas by, by deciding to write because it just does not work for me. Mm. But it works for other people, so I'm not going to have a go at anyone who, who has their own process, you know what I mean? So are you going to be combining the writing? Are you doing another um, comedy show? Stand-up show? Yeah. No, not at the moment. I think I'm going to take a year off. First time in six years. Whoa. Well, I mean, if I look at what I'm, you know, in terms of actual income, I would be making about the same from writing a book as I would from writing a stand-up show. Yep. So I'll probably just do a replay of the stand-up show, and then, uh, which is the show I did this year, um, go to audiences that might have missed me in all the major cities last time and then I will focus all my attention on writing well, when I don't get productive is when I start stressing yep. and I really can start stressing if all of a sudden I've got three things due which I might have by the end of the year if I decided to do a stand-up show yep Know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you don't want to overcommit. It can be counterproductive, I think. Sometimes. Yeah, it's a, it's really great to say, "Hey, I'm doing all these things," but the reality is, you can be hella depressed while you're doing it. Yeah, and I find if I overcommit to stuff, um, there's a point where um, it's helpful, and then there's a point where it's not helpful. I start like having accidents, losing shit. Yeah, and you know, just but generally doing a shit job of stuff I'm doing anyway. Yeah, exactly. And you want to be able to know that you can, you know, the best stuff that I've done has always been due to a time frame, but without pressures of anything else going on around it mm. you know muddying the waters i yeah. guess yeah yeah and you've got very stable in your private life now as well which is a, a real fillip in your cap well that's helping a lot yeah although you know sometimes i mean i look back like half the stuff that happened when i was on the radio was just down to like all the best pieces of content we had was just down to me being in in an unstable situation in my life mm-hmm. i mean you need those kind of things to talk about no one likes no one likes happy people no they don't no, no. One, well no people like them but no one is entertained no one by wants them. to hear about it no exactly mm. no one wants to fuck the people the people on facebook who i love the most are the absolute fucking car crashes fuck ups yeah, who yeah. i'm ba- i barely even know half of them do you know <laughs> what i mean you're like i remember i remember i know this girl on my facebook i did not I had no idea who she was. I was like, how is it? I mean, am I even friends with this person? But all of a sudden, you know, family drama starts going down and she's having fucking rants every day about her fuck up dad and all this sort of stuff. And I'm just there like, yes, more please. You know? Would you like her posts or would you just do it anonymously? You just no, no, of course you don't like their posts. <laughs> you just watch. You watch from the sidelines. You drive slowly as you go past the car crash. That's just life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, anything that happened that was good or entertaining most of the time in, you know, a lot of the radio stuff or anything that I do, it's never, you don't write a stand-up comedy show based on how good your day was. It's how many fuck-ups, you know, tried to ruin it for you. On that note, one issue that John and I have had to certain extents in um, even just via this podcast, it hasn't really happened to me before because I don't normally mind my personal life, is when you are in a relationship, going raking over the hot coals of your fuck-up periods can be a bit of an eye-opener and even problematic sometimes for your partner, but you haven't had any issues with that, I guess, because it was already on the page a little bit before. Well, that's always a tough one. I mean, there's two problems you can come up against when you're talking about your private life um, publicly. One is 
that the first issue is that you're talk that you're you're including someone else in a situation that they don't want to be included in. But then the argument always is, how can you talk about your own life? How, how, you shouldn't be silenced from talking about your own life um, because someone else doesn't love it. So you try to avoid, um, you know, incorporating them in whatever way possible. You can switch it up. You can say it was a friend instead of a partner or whatever. Um, the other thing is going over old relationships and stuff like that. You know, you just got to own that stuff. It's like people enjoy, like they, you know, your new partner wouldn't like you if you were if you didn't have the experiences that were incorporated from some of the old stuff that you did. So even if it's regrettable, you kind of just got to, you know, you just that's just part of who you are. Sometimes they argue, some partners might argue that they don't want you publicizing those details uh, because it doesn't make them, it makes them a laughing stock or uncomfortable about being with you. It depends whether they are part of that story. If it's just something that you've done and it's a little bit embarrassing. Yeah, but you know, that's you. Then they should, if you can't handle me at my worst, <laughs> then you don't deserve me at my best. Sure. sure All right. Sure. Falsely, false quote attributed yeah, to Marilyn Monroe. I believe Gandhi said that. <laughs> All right. So yeah. I had an, I had an um, ex-girlfriend that, that um, I had to do a kissing scene in a play and she, she did live music sometimes and she said, well, maybe I'll just get people up from the audience and pash them um, in part of my gig. And I said, that's, it's very different to a, a written play to do that. But she kind of thought that was a, a fair enough trade. To, well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think pas- getting randoms up and passing them is the same as kind of divulging information about who you used to be once. No, no, but this was actually, you know, a love scene in a, in a show, like the love scene you had to do uh, recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The sex scene in the show. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, sex scenes are a whole different thing. I mean, they can be, they can be tough. Um, you know, should just mention to listeners we're talking about the other guy, uh, Matt O'Kine's series on Stan, the highly successful series, mining his own personal and terrain, and the sex scene is in that. Matty, is it show. getting a second season? Well, we're we're developing it now. I mean, right. nothing's set in stone, and I would never, I never trust anything in the TV industry. Um, until I am literally sitting on the couch watching myself on TV. So yeah. it's like, you just, you, you know, you know what it's like. You just can't, no matter what you've done, you can, you could be the main character in a, in a TV series and then you sit down and you've been edited out of the whole thing. So it's not, it's not, um, nothing is ever set in stone, but look, the way that it's panning now, fingers crossed, that'll, that's what'll be happening. That's exciting. So I just want to return to what you were talking about before, Matt, about no one liking or uh, hearing about a winner and everyone loving a loser, essentially, or, or, or they're, it's they're, not everyone likes a loser. It's just everyone prefers watching a loser. Yeah. And I think it makes everyone feel better about themselves, right? You yeah. Know, that, that my life's not, I'm, my life isn't such a fuck up. Yeah. Like I thought, maybe I, I could be much worse. I could be that person. And then you suddenly, your self esteem and everything, your confidence levels go up and you, you start punching the air and, and putting on cool music and dancing around your room and naked, you know? Look, there was a there was a situation that, I mean, you know, we did a lot of writing workshops when it came down to making a show. One of the mantras that came out of it, it was like, always be losing. Make sure your character's always <laughs> losing. If it's a comedy or, you know, drama comes from not getting what you want. Never give someone what you want, what they want in a in a TV show or whatever. And it frustrates me now when I see a character getting anything they want too easily. It really frustrates me because it's because suddenly it's just too it's just too coincidental. Even if life gives you things that you want, 
when you're watching it on screen, you're like, that person should have had to fight more for it. Even if they have to bargain for what they want, even if they've just gone to their sister and gone, hey, can I borrow, you know, borrow your hairdryer or whatever, the sister should be like, well, what are you going to give me in return? There needs to always be that constant fight. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically the premise of this entire podcast, I'm not sure if you followed the 14 episodes which have preceded yours. Absolutely not. <laughs> is based on the idea of sharing your most embarrassing stories or stories of failure, stories of, um, of, of, of losing, essentially, because it's based on the premise that no one really wants, we don't want to hear about you kicking ass. We want to hear about you shitting yourself. You want to hear about your erectile dysfunctions. We want to hear about you falling asleep on, in, inside someone when you were trying to impress them. We want to hear about, you know, you... you so us- which one of those things <laughs> do, you want, do you want me to talk about? <laughs> yeah, it's up to you. This is, that's the beauty of it. We want to hear about you when you accidentally texted someone, when you're trying to text someone else and, you know, all these things, these things that happen in day-to-day life. You, when you tell someone, congratulating them on being pregnant when, when then it turns out they're not at all. You know, those things that everyone messes up. And I think it, it generally the great thing is that it emphasizes uh, the humanity that we all share, that, you know, we all fuck up on a, on a regular basis, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I mean, that, that was the majority of most of the things that happened on... Uh on the radio for for Alex and I when I was working on Triple J was that it, most of the most of the good pieces of content, a lot of the content that I generated came purely from my fuck ups. Yeah. Um. And the beauty of it was that you know you've got the text line on Triple J, uh. So you've got a million people listening or half a million people listening all at once, and you know you the the the, the safety net with the whole that whole thing was no matter what you said, someone would be like. Dude, you think that's bad? I literally just did this. Or this just happened to me on the weekend. And it would always make you feel better. Gentlemen George. Full disclosure. No holds barred. No holds barred. Well, I mean, the the thing that really that jumped out at me just recently was like Um, I mean, are we talking about Wait, hold on, are you, are you going into your full disclosure right now? Oh well, I mean, I don't really know. Look, I've done so many. You've got, a, you've got, you've got a greatest hits. And there's no doubt you about know? that. You've got a, you've got a, a, a wide selection. I, yeah. So it's about what you know. We, you don't have to say this is numero uno in your in your life, but it, no. you know, a, a zing is a good one, and we've had some pretty 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 good ones throughout the episodes of it, um, involving. Look, Maddie, the funniest the funniest thing I've ever heard you divulge on stage was um, in a bathtub in Africa, where I suck my own dick. I just think it's so good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, I've definitely talked about that before. And also, I didn't suck my own dick, like, properly suck it, suck it. Like, it was just, like, mouth mouth on dick, definitely. Um, there was not, like, full deep throat action or anything like that. There was no, there was no tonsil, tonsil bashing or anything like that. It was like, it was like a, it was like a little French kiss. Just uh, yes. with a little bit of tongue at the top, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but how did it taste? Well, it just—I don't know. It was—it was better than I thought it would be. But also, oh, the guilt it. tasted like guilt. That's what it tasted like. <laughs> Shame. If you could Ooh. really encapsulate all of that, um, like a McCain, a McCain's pizza. Yeah. <laughs> I got it really delivered. I got it delivered to the front door. <laughs> that's for sure. It was. <laughs> It was um, cheese crust. <laughs> oh, oh, dude, that is revolting. I'm glad your microphone doesn't work. Um, so yeah, so 
No, look, I mean, there's, I mean, there's so many things like that. Look, the, actually, well, the one thing I want to talk about is it's just, it's just a straight up dumb thing that I've done. And wait, I just, wait, wait, I just, just before you go into it, John and pulled his favorite public full disclosure of yours that he knows off the top. But one of my favorite private ones that I think many people know of is maybe during the peak of your fuck up stage or mid zone when we're at the Ancient Britain Hotel playing a quiz. There was a quiz, and <laughs> you've been on the pokies and you've been drinking and you had like beer all over your shirt, and you came up and the quiz master was like. Uh, who was who was the wicketkeeper for Australia in the Ashes series of 2003? And, and you, you got up and we were like, oh, 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 Adam Gilchrist, Adam Gilchrist, Adam Gilchrist. And he just gets like a threat. And the, and the quiz guy's like, it's you write it down. <laughs> and he said that before the whole question. He was like, do not. This is a written down question. And I'd forgotten it within 10 seconds and I was screaming it out. You were so excited. And man, I was in the worst. That was that was peak fuck up form for me. I've gone through two waves of that and one that was definitely it. And this is actually this is the this is what was born from me. This is this full disclosure was was born in that time, that time. frame as well. Um, because it was also at a time in my life where I I had started watching too much Entourage, right? And um you know, and I like and all those guys on Entourage are so cool. I mean, this is just so stupid when you when I think back at it. So I was a twenty two year old actor. I just moved to Sydney, and I had nothing to do all day except watch Entourage. And the way that they all talk to their agents and like casting directors and stuff like that, I was like, they're so chill with these people. You know what I mean? Like, I need to stop putting these people on a pedestal. I need to start like. You know, we're, we're equals. That's what I started thinking. Me, the casting agents, my acting agents, all of that, we're equals. Um, <clears throat> and I and I was uh, I, I won this competition to be on um, Rove Live to to do five minutes of stand up on that right. And part of that competition would be to get you know taken up by a management company. And um, and I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a definite, but that's, you were meeting and greeting all these people and I'd, I'd gone into the offices and everything like that. And, and, um, <clears throat> and I'd just been watching so much Entourage and I was drinking so much, like just, just when you got nothing to do, you got nowhere to be just like that kind of fun Arvo drinking. And, um, I remember one day there was two situations that really nailed it into me that I was such a piece of shit. The first one is I went for an audition and I, it was for a f- something, some, 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 it was just for an ad. It was for an ad. But anyways, I remember I went, I got down to the final round of this, of this uh, audition and I was in the ad with two other people and I did really well in the ad. And I went home and the, and the next day I just decided to crack some beers at around about midday and just drink all afternoon. And around about three or four in the Arvo, after I had probably about six beers, I'd been watching about four or five episodes of Entourage and I was like, man, you know what? I need to stop pretending that these casting directors are better than me. Like they, they, we're all friends here. We're all in the same industry. We should all be able to talk to talk to each other like normal. And I saw Vincent Chase, like, and and Ari Gold, like, talk to some casting director about getting a lead role in a movie. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna call the casting director. <laughs> oh, I'm just gonna call the casting director and just chill out, like, just bro down with her and just like, you know, just let her know that we're all cool. We're all on the same level and stuff like that. Anyways, I call up this casting director. 
and um, and I remember it going straight to voicemail. It didn't go straight to voicemail. It rang out, and then it went to voicemail. And I was standing. I know where I was standing. I was standing on Ada Place in Ultimo. It was about four o'clock on a Thursday afternoon, and I was wasted, having just watched Entourage. And I start just going like, "Hey, so." It's Matt O'Kind. So awesome to have done that audition with you yesterday. Um, you know, I felt really good in the room. It was just really awesome. Um, I mean, I felt like I really gelled with the other two actors. I left like a two and a half minute rambling, fucking stupid voicemail on this lady's answering machine. Right, hung up thinking I was a legend. Like I, I babbled. I babbled, and I was drunk, and I just thought it would be so cool. And I went back inside thinking that it was all good and I, uh, you know, watched the rest of my entourage. Anyway, I saw, I bumped into the two people that I auditioned with um, about three days later. They both got the gig and I did not, right? So that was was where I'm at in this sort of situation. The second thing, and this is around about the same time, after I'd just gone on Rove, I thought, okay, I had a meeting with these uh, this um, agency that was going to look after me, and I thought, oh, this is going to be like my big step into everything. Um, and I sent an email, again, trying to be like Vincent Chase. I sent an email to the car, to the to the agent, this new agent who was looking to take me on, and. I, I, you know, I, here's the thing. Everything looked like I'd be get, I'd be taken on by this management group. Everyone, it, it just seemed like that would be it. I was so, just so sure of it. I'd, we'd had like a bunch of meetings, emails, so positive. I'd won this competition. I was on Rove Live, right? And which is a big deal 10 years ago. And the morning after I was on Rove Live, I got an email from this agency saying, hey, we're not actually taking anyone on. Uh, it's going to be a pass from us. And I was devastated by that for ages. I just didn't understand where I'd gone wrong. And I bumped into someone um, six months later at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And the the person I bumped into said, oh, I heard you're really close to, to signing with so-and-so. And I said, yeah, yeah, how did you know? And they said, oh, I just heard about what happened. And I was like, well, what happened? And they said, oh, well, they didn't, they didn't take you take you on because of your email. And I said, well, what email? And they said, the email where you called, I called one of the agents hot. Oh, right. <laughs> like, and, and I know the email that I sent and it's the dumbest thing. This isn't like a funny full disclosure. This is like, I'm so, I still think about this all the time, right? Because it was so stupid. But it was in the height of my just dumb drinking trying to be cool with everyone. I watch too much Entourage. These people are all my contemporaries, all this sort of shit. And I'd called one of the agents hot. So what I'd done was I had written an email saying, you know, thanks so much. Can't wait to, you know, see all you guys again, blah, blah, blah. And I'd written a little personal line to all of these people within the agency. You know, I was like, you know, tell so-and-so that I hope her plant on the windowsill's getting good sunlight or whatever. I hope so-and-so is getting, you know, gets to see their parents on the weekend or whatever. Like all these things was actually personal. And then I said at the last one, I said, tell so-and-so that she's hot, 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 right? 
But why the three repetitions? <laughs> I don't know. I've thought about this for years, man. Did you three repeat on anything else in the email? No. I, and then as the as the hot as I repeated it, the hot went from small letters to capitals. <laughs> well, what with was multiple it because you exclamation she was hot? marks? Why? Why? Maybe maybe you just had nothing to to write about her. Maybe oh, you, she didn't have a in, pot in, plan or anything like that. Well, in your head was it like hot, hot, hot? Yes. Like yes. Uh, your entourage. Yes. Gotcha. You just, yeah, yeah. I get it now. You know I get what it I mean? Now. Not I hot, thought, hot, hot. <laughs> No, not like grabbing her by the collar. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was uh, Joey from Friends. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you are hot, 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 baby. Hey, my career is hot. We're all hot. Yeah, yeah, yes, hot. Yeah. it was Fonzie. I had a collar up. But you can't put your collar up in an email. You can't do that. <laughs> hot, hot, hot. <laughs> ah! Exclamation! 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 Man, I'm sure it's in my drafts, like my, in my sent box somewhere. This was from ten years ago, and man, I, I had no idea at the time. I just thought it was a friendly thing. And in hindsight, if I was that agent that got that email and it said, you know, tell one of your coworkers that they're hot, hot like I immediately, I would have, I've thought about the conversation that would have happened around the office since then, and they would have just gone, Matt, just email to tell. You that you're hot, hot, hot. And like people would have been like, no, he did not. That's so stupid. And then they would have gathered around and looked at this email and been like, that's that's inappropriate. That's fucking so stupid. And they would have had a solid conversation about why that was just so inappropriate. And I cringe because it was never meant to be that. I just, I got ahead of myself. I just thought that I was too cool. I was trying too hard. You know, and that's just the simple thing. And I, but I, you know, and you're existing in a fantasy world. Like uh, exactly, you, it wasn't a real exactly. entourage isn't a real exactly. world for in Sydney. I mean, even to, to even I'm to, not even sure in LA if it's to a admit real that that was the basis of my behaviour is the most embarrassing thing. That like to think that I couldn't tell the difference between. No, it's like dating and thinking you're in a Bond film. You know, you, <laughs> yeah, you got, exactly. the name's okay, Matthew. Okay, would you like it? <laughs> Would you like a martini, baby? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Why are you talking to me like that? Because I'm, I'm, I like Bond films. You know, like that would be just the dumbest shit ever, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, it's, it was. That's the state of delusion that I was in at the time, and and also it was. I mean, when you, that's a cry for help. You're floundering when you're doing stuff like that. To be calling up someone and drunkenly blab- blabbering to think that you're down with them, and you're. It was a fucking ad ad for a. Channel on Foxtel, I'm pretty sure that I went for. They were just starting the Showtime channel or something. Did you go in again for that to that um, agency? I haven't been there for ten years. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. I have not been back to that place for ten years. It's so funny, like because you, you, it's really easy for like actors or whatever, anyone in the entertainment industry to think that the industry is against them, completely forgetting that they are like. They've literally, you know, made created the weapons that are that are killing themselves. You know, well, I, I think you know to a large extent. But you, you're right; it's easy to have that narrative in your brain that the, yeah, that, that everyone's against, against me when I'm the one who's done. You know, yeah, 
who smashed heroin for uh, four years or something. Or, well, no, I didn't. No, 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 not you. But I'm saying that this is what we're talking about with the A yeah, person, yeah, you know, yeah, blaming yeah. others man, for the. Don't don't spread false. Wait, I wasn't talking specifically about about you. Yeah, I could name I've names. Never touched n- heroin in my life. Thank you very much. No, no, you'd be a lot skinnier if you did. You'd be. Yeah, I wish. Maybe I should. Tell you what, it's not easy. That that bloody cheesy scroll that I had out the front. That... <laughs> That's not doing anything. You need anything to upgrade to, to McCain's, my friend. Oh, That's mate, when you're living mate. the life. I need to. I need I, to lose some weight. No, you're in good. You're in good hey, fellas, gym every day. Mm-hmm. I auditioned for Neighbours probably 15 years ago or something like that uh, when I was about 19 or 20, and the really nice casting director. I, I thought I had a good audition, and then I. Oh Jesus! Sorry. <laughs> oh. Yes. Mate, you're about to ruin your career on this podcast, honestly. No one's going to hire you ever again after this. Yeah, finish the story, mate. Just what what happened when you auditioned for Neighbours? Really nice um, casting director. It went all right, the audition. Yes. And then I thought, oh, well, that was a great audition. And I bought her flowers and I dropped flowers around for her. And she just looked mortified. Like, why is this young actor? Is he trying to pick me up? (laughs) Well, see, and in my mind, it was completely innocent. It was just like, oh, you know, I want to have a good working relationship with this person. I'll just buy 12 roses. What? Roses? 12 roses. Well, I, was, that's, that's... I was 20 years old. I was 20 years old. I didn't really know. Bro, every, eight-year-olds know that roses mean business. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, roses no are a cry for, for a second Street. date, for sure. <laughs> no one just gives out roses to a friend. That's a weird thing to I do. Yeah. But having I said that, know. I remember reading... About when I was reading about Errol Flynn and some of the big actors, and when he made it in Hollywood, he would go, he would give flowers to the reception at an agency every day until they, and then eventually they felt sorry for him and took him in at the acting agency, and that's how he got his big break. Yeah, you know? but you know, it's like, it's like there's that power imbalance, like like with anything, um, you know, it's like with dating, you know, if if the person that you really like gives you twelve roses, you're like, oh, that's really nice. If some stranger does it, you're like, I'm being stalked. Yeah. You're a creep. That's a bit weird. You know, and that's what that's what casting directors are just like that. It's like they've got mates who I'm sure if they dropped twelve roses over, they'd be like, Oh, that's really kind of you know, you mm. but some extras actor that's never had a gig it's dropping 12 roses over. I mean, that's just, that's sad. Also the key with Errol, <laughs> that is sad, but also the key with Errol Flynn, which is quite clever, is he gave the roses famously to the receptionist as opposed to the actual agent themselves. So by giving roses to receptionists over and over, they thought it was quite nice. They have no real power, so it's not obvious what he's doing. And eventually they're like, oh, he's such a nice guy. Why don't you at least see him? This and that's some how he, bullshit. It's a great Hollywood Dude, story. I dare you to walk into a fucking casting agent with a 12 ro- with any flowers. Your fucking cheesy suit on. And like, oh, hey, sweetheart. <laughs> Oh yeah, just uh, just here's some ro- like what the fuck, man? You get laughed out of this no, you city. What you do is you'd wait outside in a car until the receptionist leaves, and and then you just like rock up and start a conversation. Uh, and what then- you stalking him in the car park now? You fucking freak! And then you'd sit down and then just give him one rose each day until eventually they leave. Look, it's just something you know, you'd sit at the front of Shanahan's or United or, or one of those big agencies, RGM, and you just you'd woo the receptionist. But no, I don't think it would work overall. No, it probably. Wouldn't. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you don't say. I don't, probably wouldn't. They would be hiding in their office going, oh, fucking Rose's man is out the front again. 
He's sitting on the park bench like he's waiting for his. Now, if it's Cadbury roses, maybe that. Would hey, get the maybe deal. Ch- maybe Cadbury roses would would be okay. I think that could get you there and there. I mean, look, look. The reason why I brought it up is because that 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 sticks with me. You know, yeah. that stuck with me for ten years, and I and I wish that I could somehow apologize like oh this is my opportunity Did you try writing an apology email to the well people? it was too late by then and you know you don't want to I mean, a year too late later. By then. how long was it i was a year later well six months after i found out what it was for and i was still a bit cranky that that's what it was for it makes perfect sense now mm. but i mean you know and then even now it's too easy for them to be like no that's that wasn't what it was for at all it was just because you you didn't fit and i'd be like oh well and then it turns into nothing. But I heard from so and so it wasn't. You know, it was about something. It was about. But yeah. I tell you what, if that's if so and so heard about it, yes. then it must have been a thing. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, you know? I mean and this wasn't even someone who was close to that. Think person. about so and so's career; they would definitely know from and so and so's agency. They'd know from the agency. Yeah. And so and so's PA, they would probably know. They from weren't it. even from the agency. People not. That's what kills me. That's what kills. Me. They weren't even linked to the agency that no. closely. No, so it was common knowledge. It really. was. It was. I was. I was. You were laughing. I stop. was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was, there was whispers about me. Oh, it's terrifying, isn't it? So, I mean, you never want you never want to. And I, but the thing is, the more you do this, the more you know that people whisper about you anyway. No, all the time. I, I'm all, people talk about me all the time. <laughs> um, Timony. Yeah, yeah, you've seen that fucking Georgie and his stupid podcast buddy Jono who can't even fucking connect a microphone. What a bunch of dickheads. That's what they're all saying on the scene. In their late 30s, they don't even know how to use a fucking microphone. Um, so Look, I'll, I'll cop it, boys. I'll cop it. I've, I've really, I've really you, been pretty good over here. It's like, but you don't have a choice. You are copying it and you will be for a long time. Uh, and then moving along, because uh, so, Jamie Timothy, when he, he, he had a similar thing, and uh, slightly similar, one tweak. He had the mistake in technology with text and email. You can send the wrong email to someone when you're referring to them to someone else. But you deliberately wrote this email. Oh, I thought it was the right thing to do. do. And he immediately apologized, whereas you didn't find out about it for such a long period of time. No. The time to really clear, clear up the uh, the issue or what's well and no. truly passed. No, uh, yeah. And so there was no there was no going back to that. So You could argue. And you've, you've never bumped into hot, hot, hot since? <laughs> Fuck. God, no. Well, no. You, you, I know who surprising. it is, though. You do? Hot, hot, hot. Were you specifically, you were just insinuating she was a, a good looking, uh, uh, a smooth operator? I don't know what I was thinking, okay? I just thought, I mean, yes, the, the person was good looking, but that's that has nothing to do with whether no. I should email something no. like that or not, of course. But in your defense, Entourage is one of the most objectifying shows of all time. Yeah, but I wasn't thinking about it back then like that, you yeah. know? No, no, you wouldn't Times have, have changed. No, you wouldn't be. But my point is, you would have, if you're living in that world... Then you'd be used you to just blatant objectification left, <laughs> yeah. right, and center. You're looking yeah. pretty good, baby. <laughs> and this is how you get jobs. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. This is how this is how it happens. Mm, yeah. People yeah. wonder how all this kind of this thing. It all starts with little things like that. So you're severely deluded. You're severely deluded. I was so so deluded. Mm-hmm. This is also around about the same time that Sophie um, slapped me at a party as well because I was just talking shit. Sophie, to her. No, yeah. what, what, what was what we? We done a McDonald's ad together. Oh no, we hadn't done a McDonald's ad yes, together. We yes, just done right. something, and then she slapped me, and then stormed inside Tom's house and slammed the door. Look, oh, oh yeah, well, this I is mean, the Ultimo place. No, this is in Newtown. Oh, Anyways, the Newtown place. We can safely say that I went through. Oh, I also had a terrible night where I was the friend in hand. Yeah, and um. Some guy was, some dude was just regularly heckling, but I thought I'd take it upon myself to, to um, 
sort of fight the heckler from off stage. Like, not fight <laughs> physical, but just start yelling. So instead of the comedian just shutting the heckler down or doing whatever, I just started yelling aggressively from the back and and starting like uh, almost starting a fight with the with the heckler and then going downstairs and falling over on a friend's skateboard trying to do a kickflip look what i'm saying is i went through a bad time you know what i mean it went for probably about six seven a month a year seven years was the bergs are better at hungry jacks fight story was that in that period, or was that pre that? That was pre that, that was period. only just before that period. That was that, you were still in Brisbane. That, that was in the valley, wasn't it? Yes, but the burgers about at Hungry Jacks happened um, only months before I moved down. So it would only have been months before this whole situation. Because you landed that ad the, in Brisbane, I assume. Is it when you got yeah, the ad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so okay. So the, just a bit of quick backstory. Um, I got I got a McDonald's ad, <laughs> um, and. Um, I just got so wasted this night. And and as I was about to leave this club, a, lo- a whole bunch of stuff happened. But anyway, as I was about to leave this club, um, we're in the valley and this dude yells out, hey, bro, the burgers are better at Hungry Jack's. <laughs> and I lost my shit at this dude. Like I started yelling at him. And then he knocked me the fuck out. Like I fully went out cold on the concrete. And then when I woke up, me and I got up. I was like, all right, that's it. We're going to fight. So... I was already out. I was completely on the floor. And so I was like, let's fight. So then me and him went across the road to this little patch of grass and we fought in front of all our friends and everything. And look, I'm well aware that this podcast is making me sound like an absolute fuck up. You're going through a lot. You're going through a lot. Well, I mean, I was going through a lot that was self-inflicted. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like anything terrible was happening to me at the time. I was just, I was just getting too big for my boots And that kind of, you know, I go through stages in my life, I feel where good things happen and I, and I, and then I let them snowball into, my ego snowballs into this situation where I do some dumb stuff. It's taken me a lot to learn to just rein it in and to sort of of, uh, escape before things get bad because I've consistently had times where life is going good and then you hit rock bottom based on something i was watching patrick melrose last night and one of the lines is you know an addict will never stop until they hit rock bottom right and so you know i will always go through these waves of just just getting my ego getting ahead of myself doing something that's really dumb being super embarrassed about it and then you know, retreating for for months. So after that, it was only about a week or two after, oh no, a month after I got hit and smashed in the face. I still can't close my jaw properly from that burgers and better situation. Really? Is that yeah. bad? Yeah, yeah. It really, it really fucked up my jaw. Hmm. Um, so only a did you guys month. Up, so did you guys end up hugging it? Yeah, we that? hugged it out and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> I know that doesn't sound normal. Look, it's a whole... It's a 30-minute story, which I'm not going to go into. It's a good one. It's a, it's but, a good um, You've done that on radio, I assume, haven't you? I've done that on radio. I've done that and on stand stage. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, so, and actually, the Briggs scene in uh, in the other guy is similar. Based, roughly based, roughly sort of based on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was only about a month after that. And that was a real... That, that fight, actually, that was when I had hit that kind of peak of me being a complete fuck up. I remember, I remember vividly, vividly going, you know what? I'm going to go out tonight and I'm just going to get so fucked up. I don't care. 
Like I have no problems in the world. I've got all this money in my bank account from this ad. People are recognizing me from my stupid McDonald's ad. <laughs> Did you go, it was mm, chicken? Is yeah, that <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, and I remember just thinking, I'm just going to get so fucked up. I don't care. I've got nothing to worry about. And it's th- making those decisions in themselves are the things that end up you not being able to close your jaw for the rest of your life properly because someone's smashed you out. Yeah, it's flying too close to the sun, really. Getting, I think one of my favourite basketballs, CJ McCollum talks about on his highs, he tries to go underneath energy-wise and on his lows, just bring them up, you know, try and make the gaps yeah, between them smaller. that's smart. That's much smarter than I've ever done. But so uh, coming off the back of that, I really retreated and I stayed in my room for a few days after I'd, well, for about a week after I'd gotten punched. And then I was like, I'm going to move to Sydney because I think I just felt a little bit embarrassed by everything. That was an instigator for it, wasn't it? Mm, it helped. It helped. There was always the idea. And after that, I was like, you know, what? I'm going to actually just get out of here. Because you graduated from QUT, what, a year before that? Two yeah. years before that? Was it, you'd only been out for a year though, hadn't yeah. you? Yeah. yeah and cool. then I moved to Sydney at the start of 2007. So that happened, that happened only a few days after Christmas in 2006. And then I decided to move. Oh, no, only a few days after New, uh, New Year's Day. 2007 and I decided to move about a month later so and that's and then the Gilchrist thing was that the that that period that was only about an, a year after that so I went through another high again yes where I'd won the the Rove competition yes that's and right. all of a sudden I was like oh man I'm getting somewhere in this game you know I've moved to Sydney I'm making a name for myself and I completely embarrassed myself you know stuff like this so all in a row I, I made the call to that casting director, drunken, yes. and missed out on that ad, even though the other two people I'd auditioned with got it. I don't, I'm not saying that that was definitely the reason why I didn't get it, but there's a good chance. I also didn't get it taken in by that agency because I called one of their agents hot, hot, hot. You're feeling hot, hot, hot. You're not even referring to the song. I pissed off everyone on that trivia night because I... Oh, and also your old flatmate, you were like, hey, just letting you know, she's just gotten braces. Please do not... Please do not bring it up. And as soon as she walked in, I was like, hey, nice braces. And you were like, you fucking idiot. Anyway, so that happened that same night as the Adam Gilchrist oh, trivia thing. Yeah, yeah. Then the other thing I did was I um, I went to, I was at the Melbourne Comedy Festival and I, um, Mark, Mark Watson did a 24-hour gig, right, at Melbourne, t- uh, at the Hi-Fi Bar. And, um, and I decided to go from it. So from 10 p.m. on the Sunday night, I went to this 24-hour gig. Now, I had a gig myself at 8 p.m. the next night, the Monday. But he was on stage for 24 hours. And I stayed at that gig for the entire time, from Sunday night all the way, all over, all overnight, all the next day, right? Just drinking, being a part of the game, or, you know, being a part of the gig because you'd had to like, you know, you would, you know, there was things where you'd like, you know, he was setting challenges for people in the room and everything. Anyways, completely off my face by 6 p.m. that following Monday. I then caught a tram out to St. Kilda to do the gig and I bombed so fucking hard at this gig that it, it kept me away from the Melbourne Comedy Festival for four years. I did not want to go back because it was energy, that bad. Energy was just awful. What? I was just, I was dribbling. Sh- like, I was like, I could barely talk. I was like um, sort of antagonizing crowd members who, who were just not getting it at all because I was shit. I've seen you when you were And I'm like people. abusing people and yeah. stuff like that. And Anyways, I felt really ashamed about that and I didn't go back to the Melbourne Comedy Festival for four years because I felt like I'd burnt so many bridges there. And then on top of um, 
yeah, and so that was, oh yeah, and then I go, and then I end up having a fight with um, our friend Sophie, and she she slapped me, and you know, and then I was like, you know what? Oh, and then I went to the, the friend in hand. That whole year was just a bad one. Okay, you know, that was and it was all of yeah, and it was all of my own fault. So I mean, in terms of a full disclosure, I wish I had some hilarious story where I'd, you know. It's full disclosure. The Jono and Dodge podcast. But what? How'd you come out of that period? What was just what was the instigator by, to get out of it? Um, just checking my ego at the door, really. You know, because I because I mean I, I I was carrying it from this sort of high school persona that I'd had, where it was like you know be that cocky jockey dude who you know can do whatever he wants, gets what he wants, and stuff. And um, and because you thought it was funny, I just thought it was funny. I thought it was cool, that sort of stuff. And then deciding to just really realizing that I needed to start again. Okay. That was a big that was a big thing. Okay. And so oh eight you see what you hit the refresh button essentially? Oh nine. Oh nine. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then what was involved in the refresh button? What what you what you was just more more attitude adjustment? Is that what definitely you- an attitude adjustment? Um trying to stay quiet where I could, drinking less, um working at Sellerforce was a very big one. When you have to go back, to, when you have to crawl, crawl back to the part-time job, selling wine on the phone, that brings you down a few notches. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> and then and then yeah, the slow the slow build back up to a decent place again. That was where it, that's where it, that's what really changed it. In your latest comedy comedy show, you talked about the um, the gambling, which which led to the the win, which led to the, the um, no activity, the the pilot, which not, not available, not available. The pilot, yeah, yeah. sorry, not to be mixed with messed up with no, 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 no activity, <laughs> which I had a notable uh, a guest appearance in. <laughs> Literally walked across in a frame. Wow, yes. And haven't we all talked about it since? <laughs> am I the only NIDA graduate in that entire thing? I think I am, right? You guys, you guys are like, fuck We you. don't care about drama school, man. You know, we learn from the school of hard knocks. You did get me to do the original reading, um, which you gave the role to Dave Eastgate, which I thought he did a great job, by the way. So that's completely fine. No problems about that. But what, what I'm getting to, sorry, my, my, my digression aside, is that... Once you in the show, in the show that you did, you kind of insinuate that that was kind of the start of the snowball process to where you are. Yeah, now it definitely was. I mean, I remember sitting <clears throat> when you're working at that call center, you just feel you're so miserable every single day. And I remember a lot of the casting agents, you just, just you stop getting auditions, you know, because you're not converting, you're not getting gigs, and they stop trusting you. They stop really wanting to waste their space on you. Um, you know, because I've only got a certain amount of tr- opportunities to see actors, and then you come along and you're hungover and you, you know, you shit. Um, so I remember sitting with our friend Candace having lunch one day, and I remember thinking, like, all these people who made shows, they didn't just start by being experienced showmakers. Like, they just they had to start somewhere. And I and I vividly remember telling Candace, I was like, well, <clears throat> okay, if we're gonna just try and make a show, then I'm just going to do it. But I'm going to be completely unapologetic about it and I'm going to just make decisions and do everything I can to get this done. But you got to realize that you might you might not like me doing all this stuff. And, you know, eventually we got that show made. But that, that show took its toll on, on, you know, myself and a lot of people in our group sort of friendship, I think, because 
people, I mean, it's it's difficult to get things done and you have to be someone that people don't like. And if you're trying to get them done with a friend, they can really take the piss sometimes, you know. <laughs> and if Georgie's pointing to the microphone, Jono. <laughs> no, but what I'm, you know, and, and it's little things where you're like, where you're like, you know, hey, everyone needs to get this this form submitted or whatever. And, you know, and cunts just won't do it. And you're like, what the fuck is wrong? Like, And so, yeah, there's arguments and there's fights and it, and it, and it and you know, and what what really sucked about that whole situation is, I worked my ass off getting that stuff up, and heaps of people worked their ass off as well. You know, like we we all tried our best, but it was always something that I was driving totally, you know, wholeheartedly. Everyone was helping, absolutely, but it was always a thing that I was single handedly sort of driving as the sort of you know lead person in that. And that was a decision I made with Candace that day, and I stuck to that, but. It got down to the bit where I went in to pitch it to people at ABC and it, I just didn't do a good enough job. And, and you know, and then the oh, reason of the pitch, of the pitch no, it was terrible because I just didn't know how to pitch. That's not something they teach you at drama school. So you, 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 I just tried, I just tried my best, you know, and it wasn't the best pitch. And if I could do it again, I would do it much better. But we didn't get the job. And then all of a sudden, um, I had people you know, telling me the things that I did wrong in this pitch. And it's like, well, I don't fucking know how to pitch. Mm. And the reason why I'm going in there to pitch is because I'm working my ass off trying to make this fucking thing happen. Mm. So there was... And I I know that people thought that I didn't do a good job in there and that I'm kind of the reason why I didn't... That why it failed. Mm. And so that... That always, like, stings me a bit Mm. when I think about the toll that that show took on, like, our friend... On our friendship group. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. In order, in terms of, if you need to get shit done, there's going to be some collateral damage, I think. And, and most people do say openly when you're working with friends that's going to be problematic because the, the amount of devotion and work required is going to strain relationships. And if you want a quality, this is the other issue I find. If you want it to be of a high quality, then it's hard sometimes to get everyone on board with how high the quality needs to be for it mm-hmm. to go forward. And uh, I I've definitely think I've micromanaged a bit on some things in the past because it's um, some people often just think that near enough is is okay, but you know I don't think it is okay. And as you pointed out, we talk about those near misses, whether it's with casting agents, whether it's with a pitch, and then going back again. If you could go, if you can try and minimize the amount that you would go back again and fix something because you've done everything you can to give it to give it the highest standard possible, then your your chances of success are going to be higher. And as you said, there's only limited limited successes around, so you want to make every every opportunity at the highest probability possible. So it's it's a problematic thing. But what you have managed to do is get a lot of shit done. And it seems like almost from that point onwards, you can almost sort of mobilize yourself and said, well, I'm just going to do a whole bunch of shit. Yeah. You know? yeah. And that was always, that was absolutely what I did. So even before that, that, even before that process finished of making the pilot, I'd moved on to the next one because there was just no time. People just fucking sit around. Mm. They don't do shit. You know what I mean? It's not difficult to do things. You just have to actually do it. Mm. But the amount of people, the amount of fucking people that sit around and don't do anything and like, it, it, it just kills me. So I just, I can't work with people like that anymore. And they often create the narrative we're talking about before where it's ever, like the industry is against them. It's someone whatever. else's fault. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. wonder why they're still working the same shitty job every day. And it's like, well, because you're not doing anything to change it. I, there's, an act, there's a few actors that have spoken to me recently and I was having this discussion with my, my partner, Georgie. 
and they're just dom- they're just completely and it's easy to see why they're completely obsessed with the aesthetics they're all about they're getting trying to get surgery done they're trying to lose weight they're all about that and I was like well that's I can understand why they feel that and they're waiting for the phone to ring and it's not ringing and they're freaking out and they're going oh I need to get more work done I need to get better shape and I was like mm, there is that or you could like try and create your own work and see some of the narrative a little bit yourself create your own narrative a little bit by just getting stuff done because that way you're not waiting thinking internally about yourself the whole time you know concentrating on yourself thinking about oh and then and specifically just about your externals when your internal uh, might your your mind as it were is a very powerful tool which you can then mobilize in a a really positive way and and more importantly you can be you can be busy as you said you know i think the biggest the biggest advantage of creating your own work is is um um, is it is it making you feel like you're still on the same goal, like trajectory towards the goal that you've always worked towards? Mm. It's very easy to feel like you're not doing anything if you're just waiting tables every single day, mm. waiting for the phone call to call. Mm. Even if you're doing, you know, if you're doing community theater or you're writing your own play or whatever, at least it makes you think I am working to get something done, and that's that that will always trump sitting around and doing nothing by all means uh, so yeah i'm a big fan of just of just making things happen even if even if they fail so it seems like the narrative then is that you kind of hit like a quasi rock bottom mobilize yourself so i'm going to do shit not uh uh not no activity no available not available, not, not available was it was the start of that and then you sort of mobilize to this point now where you've you've got people asking you to do podcasts left right and center and uh <laughs> And you regret with, them. You regret them when you say hang, yes. Hang with enough enough so you can't even get a, a, a microphone to work when you've got a limited amount of we time. We should to get your clarify book in. that we're very good friends. We've known each other for a very, very long time. I would have said yes, even if it was two tin cans and a piece of string connected to a fucking gramophone. Yes, it's just it's it's just funny because Jono was in last week's full disclosure talking about people that self sabotage, and it seems like he's <laughs> setting up his own narrative now, where he's self sabotaging his podcast career. With if he realised we're listening this to white so- noise now, he is right now on a consistent <laughs> basis due to his fuck up and how annoying that is. Oh but, uh, dear! But anyway, we, we we digress. Well, it's a it's a it's a good story, and it's um, one which uh, hopefully is pretty inspirational for people as well. I, I had a, an actor I was hanging out with last night who'd come back from LA after three years and she wasn't, nothing had been happening and she was just drinking. Like and almost, almost similar, it seems like to you. Yeah, mm. if you got the time, you do. And it's just, uh, it's a very easy trap to get into. Just bending and drinking. And I just said, what do you, I mean, it's easy for me to say, but I was like, what are you, what are you doing that for? And she's like, well, cause you know, I'm not happy. And I was like, well, yeah, but just bending for like four, four days a week isn't gonna. Yeah. And also, and it's that thing, if you don't have anything to do, then that's a very easy trap to fall into. But if you give yourself something to do, it's like if you've got a gig that night or if you've got a audition to go to or, or, a, or a play to write or something, you'll feel like, okay, I'm going to work towards that. To be fair, I think it is easier with the comedy thing. A little, I'm not saying it was easy for you to do, but in terms of mobilizing yourself, creating your own work. Yeah, and, getting out and that's and why rooms. I did stand-up comedy though. That's why I started it. Yeah. One, to get in, in front of Australian audiences to make sure that I didn't always get stuck with a, you know, black best friend character yo what's up man um but also just so i felt like i was always doing something yeah because you did i did help you with an audition for mad max famously at one stage uh when you came over and we did a self-tape for that 
um, but unfortunately didn't get a Guernsey for that. But you were, <laughs> were definitely putting down tests and, tests and working it quite. Oh, heavily. I got a role on a big one actually Did just you? recently. Did you? Yeah, yeah. On a on a Mad Max film? No, no, on another big movie. I play. I've got one line. I can't talk about it. Yeah, I can't talk about it. I'll okay. talk about it off air. Okay, okay. It's yeah. literally it's one line. It's really funny, but it's a pretty big film. That's exciting. <laughs> it's funny. I was just trying to think who you would have been in Mad Max. I don't know how that would have. The worked. guy with the guitar on the top of the. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that it definitely wasn't that. <laughs> It definitely wasn't What that. a lovely day. I would have been rapping up the top, doing old two-pack. Um, <laughs> I see no changes. Well, Tom Hardaway, what's his name? Uh, Tom Hardy. Hardy's. Hardaway sounds like a porn star or something. Basketball player. Anyways, um, thanks for having me, dudes. No, we're not welcome. Anything you want to plug while you're here? We do have an audience of uh, a thousand listens we've had so far. So. Really? Yeah, really. Yeah, That's yeah. great. That's well done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we've got, nah. we got a US crowd and a UK crowd, a few Swedes, a few French that are listening, so... Anything for your international audience that you want to let no, just, the just book, the book, I guess. Um, yeah, well, I mean, the book's not coming out until October next year, so we got ages. Um, the TV show, The Other Guy, if you've got Stan or you have access to Hulu in the States or Super Channel Fuse in Canada, then watch that. Awesome. Other than that, thanks, dudes. Anything you want to say, Jono, with your shithouse microphone? <laughs> just your bloody legend, Matt, and... Uh yeah, George. Uh, Love you, bro. I'll see you. In, I'll see you. I'll see you when I'm in Melbourne next. Nice one. Peace. See ya. <laughs> see ya. My oh my. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Coming to you every week from Sydney and Melbourne. It's full disclosure. The Jono and Dorge podcast. Jono and Dorge. Full disclosure in the raw. Raw, raw, raw. Jono and Dorge. Full disclosure. No holds barred. <laughs>